The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to share with you my five tips to stop abandoning your goals. Here we are, January 2022. It's always the time of year where, where a lot of people decide they're going to lose weight, get in shape, you know, and they set their New Year's resolutions. But did you know that studies show that by mid-February, 80% of people give up on those goals? That number is astounding. So I want to share these tips with you. And by the way, if you're listening to this later in the year, just know that you don't have to, you know, set your goals in January. You can set goals any time during the year, and I encourage you to do so. So my first tip is to make sure that you have a detailed plan. I, I like to use the acronym SMART. So you want to make sure your goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. That is so, so important. So make sure you have that detailed plan. Second is get an accountability partner, especially if you are somebody that that needs to be held accountable. Most of us do. We're all human. It's okay if you need to be held accountable. Find somebody that you can trust and is going to call you out and be like, hey, you didn't check in. You didn't check in with me today. What's going on? So make sure you get that accountability partner. Third is attach your emotions to the goal. This is so important because the way that you manifest anything into your reality is the feeling that you want, the feeling that it brings. So I encourage everyone, and again, you can do this anytime throughout the year, is write yourself a letter and write the letter to your future self and date it one year from today and write the letter to yourself stating all of the amazing things that you accomplished, but more importantly, how amazing it felt. That is the key. It's the feelings that help you to achieve your goals. The feelings is what brings things into reality for you. Fourth, there's many apps out there that will help you keep on track. I use Way of Life. There's about, at the time of this recording, there's probably about five, maybe more. Um, so you can use an app that'll help you to stay on track or just simply set an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action toward whatever that goal is you're trying to achieve. Lastly, celebrate your wins. This is so important because every small step that you take toward achieving your goals needs to be celebrated. Now, the most important thing that I want to emphasize today is if you have a setback, it's okay. Please don't beat yourself up. Talk to yourself like you're speaking to a child that is upset. If you are talking to a child that is upset, you're going to be gentle. You're going to be compassionate. So please be gentle and compassionate with yourself. So thank you so much for listening. To learn more about me, go to my website at www.sandyscarlotta.com. 
Today's guest is Sam Fiara. Through his tireless work, Sam continues to be committed to the betterment of communities as a speaker, educator, and storyteller. Sam has mentored and coached hundreds of individuals in their life and their career. He is also an accomplished speaker, and in 2011, he did a TEDx talk where he created his signature phrase, discovering the extraordinary in the ordinary. And let me tell you, this is an extraordinary interview, and you don't want to miss it. Hey, Sam, how are you today? Uh, doing well and uh, excited to be able to share with your audience and uh, hopefully provide some insights. Oh, I'm sure you will. So you're in Vancouver. I love that part of the country. It's so beautiful over there. Oh, it, it, it is. I mean, we have all our seasons, but equally, it's a place where, you know, you could go golfing in the morning and skiing in the evening. And, uh, you know, we have our wilderness and it's just a beautiful place to, to grow up and uh, to raise a family. Nice, nice. Okay, so Sam, everybody has a story. So I want to hear about your story and where, how you got to where you are today to be able to do the work that you're doing. Sounds great. And it's, I find it's really great because you focus on your life as a real journey. And it has been a journey. It's never been about a destination. It's about a journey. And, you know... It started out the as plain as everyone else, you know, or many people, which is, you know, the usual narrative where you go to school and then, you know, you carry on and you it's, it's, it's almost like gamification. You go to your next level. And I went to university and I remember graduating and uh, having a degree in business and political science and thinking to myself, OK, who's lucky to get me? And, you know, you start applying for jobs and next thing you know, you're getting these rejection letters and it's not all of a sudden it shifts from you know who's lucky to get me to am i lucky to get a job and <laughs> right <laughs> i wound up yeah and i wound up eventually getting a job which was mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins in a hospital as a janitor and you know i pulled three valuable life lessons that still carries me to who i am today the first lesson was my father said i don't it doesn't matter what you do but you have to put all your effort and energy into the quality of your work. And I remember him saying that, and you know, there was no floor cleaner than at the end of my shift and rubbish bins left full. I, I put my heart and soul into being the best janitor I could. And that still is what I do today is when it comes to any projects or work that I do. And the second valuable lesson was, there were times I'd get on the elevator with nurses, doctors, administrators, and I'd just be ignored because you're a janitor. I know what this feels like, so I make sure I treat everybody with, you know, that that aspect of talk to talk to them and listen to who they are. Everybody has a story. And yeah. the third valuable lesson was in anything that we do in life, there's always an opportunity to pull life lessons. <clears throat> and, you know, I think sometimes we go through life in autopilot and we forget that but what am I learning here? So I'm always going through life with a curious nature and trying to see what I can pull. Eventually, that job turned into something that became more corporate. And I was able to then, you know, claim that corporate side. And I just remember being in that corporate position where I could do the job, but it wasn't me. I could do it, but it just didn't feel right. It's like, 
walking into a store and buying a suit and you walk out I'm a 42 regular but it's like I was wearing a 52 short suit I could I could wear it but it just didn't fit and then the moment I stopped and started focusing on not what I was doing but who am I then clarity started to emerge and I started having these internal conversations, reflection, introspection about who I am. And it helped me to realize that I wasn't in the right position and that I needed to move into something else. And what it started to do was helping me shed that 52 short suit into something that's more of a tailored suit. And I switched jobs into something that was now road safety as opposed to that corporate job and really thrived in it and enjoyed it because now I was out there doing what really resonated. Eventually, though, I left that position, even though I loved my job, because the company needed about 850 people out of 6,000 to leave. And I just recall looking at this and everybody says you're making the biggest mistake of your life because you're working in the corporate world, it's a government job, great pay, uh, great wages, great pay, you know, great benefits, stability, everything says you should be staying and you love your job. And I looked at it and there were two words that just really resonated with me that enabled me to then click the button to leave the corporation. And one word was comfort. And I think we strive to this thing called comfort. But what I realized because of the reflection introspection is comfort's also not a good word because I stopped growing as an individual. And the other word was uncertainty. If I leave, there's uncertainty because I don't have a job. And by staying, uh, there's uncertainty because, you know, they could move me where they want. But by leaving, I control my uncertainty. No one else does. And I remember clicking the button and 100% of the people around me, family, my wife, everybody, my colleagues said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. But uh, two and a half months later, I wound up working on the Olympic bid to get the games to Vancouver. Nice. And worked on, yeah, it was one of the most amazing projects that I've ever worked on because when the games actually came to Vancouver, I decided I wanted to be a spectator, but then you could sit back and say, yeah, you were part of this process to get it here and watching the faces of the people on how they enjoyed it. And then the other uh, job I got, which was, I got a really interesting job in the university after working on the Olympic bid. And I've been, I'm still there at the university, but it was to help students realize that Grade point average, marks, those are what you can work towards and strive towards. But there's more to life than just the marks and, you know, helping them build their personal brand, their character. And a lot of it just sort of came full circle because there was nobody there to help me in my process. I had to stumble along almost in that darkness, fumbling along until I got where I got. And I didn't want people to go through what I went through. So even to this day, I still have three to eight conversations a week to help individuals in their journey 
and yesterday, for example, I had two conversations and today later on, I have to do a workshop for these audiences. Uh, I mean, the one-on-one -on -one conversations, it's been about 5,000 to date to help individuals in their own personal journey. And it all stems because, you know, all of those obstacles that I encountered and it really resonated with me because one of the quotes I live by is obstacles are the necessary bricks on the road to my success. Don't fear the obstacles, embrace them. They are there. And I just recall in that regard, just capturing that and, you know, thriving in the uncertainty and ambiguity. I realize that's not for everybody, but for me, that's where my magic happens and that I'm able to help people. The other part of this story, though, is because that brings you to who I am today, is <clears throat> this idea of identity, because I struggled with identity growing up. I was born in England, raised in Canada. My parents come from Fiji Islands, which is near Australia, and my grandparents are from India. And it's interesting because people would physically, when they look at me, they think that my family background's from India and you get this, what part of India are you from? And my reply back is, well, I was born in England, raised in Canada. And they're like, no, 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 your parents, what part of India? And then you're like, well, they come from Fiji. They look at you and they're like, but are you Indian? And I'm like, well, my grandparents are from India. And others who say, well, you're not Indian, you're Canadian. <clears throat> and you struggle with this aspect of identity. And I think this was throughout my life. And in university, it was great because when I was there, I was exposed more to a multicultural global community, but it made me realize that's a part of my life I was missing, my Indian cultural identity. So in 2004, I decided I wanted to go on a journey for the first time. I went to India with this idea that I want to find my ancestral roots, but I also want to find myself, my own identity of my, my Indian background. And I had a faded photograph, very little information, had the name of the village, the town, the district, but very little information. And it was going to India for the very first time. I was a foreigner going to a land that should not be foreign to me, looking for a needle in a haystack. And we didn't even know where the haystack was. But again, I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty, and I took this on as a challenge and it was interesting because I really got to realize my own identity. It was, you know, by traveling through India. I remember waking up at like four in the morning, just my eyes just opened and I had a epiphany of my identity because my identity was always segmented, like British, Canadian, Indian and Fijian. And I just recall there's an Indian dish called a tali. And it's a platter with segmented bowls. So that's what my life was. Uh, Canadian, British, Indian, Fijian. And to be fair, Sandy, I also played in an Irish military pipe band for 11 years. So there's a bit of Irish <laughs> chutney on the side there too. Like, come on, I'm so confused. But my, oh my, but my realization though was that instead of being this tali, this segmented platter of a dish, instead, what I found is that uh, I'm a rice dish called kitchari, 
And khichdi is an Indian dish where you go to your fridge. It's a it's a simple meal. You pull the vegetables, you mix it with the rice, you add your flavors. And, you know, it's a blend of flavors. And I realized I'm khichdi. And khichdi would be the equivalent of, let's say, you make an omelet. And I think that that clarity helped me to appreciate, you know, all of this in this in the sense that rather than segmenting, I could just be who I am and embrace the fact that I have these background, this background. And uh, so that's where it, it really helped me to realize my identity. And then there was also this part about trying to reconnect with this ancestral roots because my grandfather left India when he was like, I think 17 years old around 1905. And, you know, he was landlocked in a part of India, but he basically ran away from home with his best friend and got on a ship and was on his way to Argentina uh, to, for cattle ranching. <clears throat> but the boat stopped in Fiji and that's where he wound up never making it to Argentina. And this is where, from a family background, you wonder, you know, if you don't capture the stories, the stories disappear, they evaporate. And I remember asking family members who are still with us or whatever they could remember, how did my grandfather wind up in Fiji of all places? And they said, yeah, because he was on his way to Argentina. And, you know, you're getting three different stories. Either, you know, maybe he comes from a landlocked part of India and, you know, sea travel. And after so many, you know, like a month on sea, maybe he just got tired of travel and wound up saying, nope, that's it. I'm done. Or... Maybe Fiji really was the paradise that it really is, and I've been there. And maybe he said, this is a beautiful place. I think this is a great place for me to start. Or maybe he wound up landing in Fiji, thought it was Argentina, got off the ship, the ship left, and he goes, wait, this isn't Argentina? <laughs> and now he's there. But uh, I needed to reclaim that past and it really was that photograph it was a faded photograph that's all i had and very little information and a lot of people saying you can't find it you won't find it you know you may not get a good reception but i was persistent and there were setbacks along the way and uh i just recall you know you know meeting people asking them and you know they're all like no this isn't the right place or it's not the right term for the village i think you got a mistake here anyways we went on a wild chase and then you have this anticipation that maybe i'm gonna find something and it's all dashed because you can't find it or it india is such a complicated large country i wound up going back to the simple plan i said Let's just get to the town that's supposed to be close to the village. And again, people were like, never heard of it. It's, uh, I think the name's wrong. And, you know, again, your, your confidence starts fleeting away. But then this one gentleman said, oh, you're looking for this village. It's named Chadodi. And it's about six miles up the road. We're like, but at this point, I'm very guarded. I'm like, well, here we go again. We've had so many setbacks. We get to this village or the entranceway and there's this archway with this old man sitting there. And he just sort of is not the best sentry. He's just sort of sitting there looking at the ground. He's about 80 years old. And uh, we show him this faded photograph and you can't even really make people out in this photograph. 
And this guy doesn't have glasses on, nothing, and he looks at it, he says, well, I don't know about the house and the people here, but there's a guy in the back who I think he's so-and-so, and I know where that house is. And if you read the journal I wrote, it was like, you know, here we go again. And we get to this house, he takes this photograph, and he goes up, and all these people come out, which is what always happened. But then this one lady looks at this photograph, and she looks at it, and she goes... That's me in the photograph. Who are you guys? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but you know what, Sandy? I had to sit there going like, wait, did I hear this correctly? Like, <laughs> you're, this is you? And she goes, yeah, who are you guys? And uh, it turned out that, well, I was able to find my grandfather's house. And these were my grandfather's older brother's ancestors or, or like a family that we had just come across. And for some, I don't know, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it almost seemed like there was this cosmic intervention because that old man, that old sentry, by the time I turned around, he was gone. Oh, wow. and, and I never saw him again. And it was like almost like, uh, you know, our little guardian angel of a person who just said he was that little connection link that we were able to finally have. Same with the guy in the town who Oh, I've heard of the village, and it was just like, like these markers. I mean, and I wound up writing this into a book, and it's called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. Now, yeah, I've given you the spoiler alert. I found the house, but it's the journey that was the most important part. But it's a beautiful story. Wow, that's amazing. We are going to take a quick break from today's interview because I am so excited to tell you about a new program that I've just rolled out. It includes two group coaching calls each month to help you create the lasting happiness you so desire. It's only a $50 a month investment in yourself and you are worth it. So visit www.sandyscarlotta.com slash courses to sign up. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's interview. here taking notes because there's so much I want to go back to. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Sandy. Okay. So when you started out talking about your journey and the things that you learned when you were a janitor. Yes. Um, that just, I, I love that. And there's so many amazing nuggets in that because <laughs> I know that my father would always say you treat everybody the same from the janitor to the CEO. And it always right. makes my skin crawl when I hear that, you know, it made my skin crawl when you were saying mm -hmm. how you were in the elevator with the doctors and the nurses and they wouldn't even acknowledge you. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that you were treated that way. But, uh, but the, um, the, the fact that you, you know, your big takeaway, which I love, is that you can always pull life lessons out of every situation. And I think that's such a big message that people really need to hear because in today's world, you know, we're, we're constantly going from one thing to the next and we're, we're living these busy lives and we're not taking the time to really, yeah. you know, learn from the, the situation that we were just in. No, truly. And in my first TEDx speech that I did, which was, how do you discover the extraordinary in the ordinary? Because again, it goes back to exactly what you said. I think we get so focused on our routine and everything is ordinary, but embedded in the ordinary are these tremendously extraordinary experiences. And sometimes it's just 
you know, maybe taking a different walk uh, through the park to get to your workplace or during your break, you do something else. And, you know, there is extraordinary in the ordinary. And it just, we just have to be open to this. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So your suit analogy is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I love that because... I think in today's world, because we're such, you know, in so many places in the world, especially where I am, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, we are a mixing pot of so many different people. And that whole identity thing, you know, who am I? And and I know for me, for many years of my life, I was, you know, wearing wearing a much larger suit that didn't fit me and it took me many years to to feel like I'm in the tailored suit so I love that mm. um yeah that's that's just so brilliant and mm. and you know so when you were talking about you know you were born in Britain raised in Canada or Vancouver and but you know you've got Fiji and and Indian and all of that and I was like yeah you know it's mm. not something because my grandmother came to the United States from Scotland in like early 1900s. And, and I don't know that a lot of people really think about that. You know, I'm, I'm American, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even consider, you know, well, I'm, I'm Scottish, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's just, it's so far from my, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, I've never really thought about it, I guess, I guess you could say. Yeah, and and you feel uh, again because, like you say, the American, and for me, it's Canadian. Like uh, because most of, of all of my life has been spent in Vancouver, and you know, you assume the you know life of a Canadian kid growing up. Like you play road hockey, we bleed maple syrup, and uh, you know, we play with our polar bears. You know, all sorts of things like that. But uh, I think what happens though is sometimes, and it it doesn't mean everybody has to do this, but uh, I think that there are many people who, and this is why they do that ancestry DNA testing uh, test uh, just to figure out. And I always say that, and people say, you know, you've got that beautiful journey to India, but I'll never realize my ancestral roots and never find the village or town. But my response back is I was very fortunate that I was able to find my grandfather's house. But if that didn't happen, just the fact that I was in India and maybe even close to where my ancestors are from, it there was something in me that just said, this resonates. So even for somebody like you, Sandy, if and it, not that you have to do it or that you have to feel compelled to do it, but if you went to Scotland, is there a sense and feel that this is where my ancestors come from or some of them? And you know what? This sort of feels right. Well, then you've captured something that uh, could be special, but... Again, it's really up to the individual if that's what they want. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, and I, I definitely want to get to Scotland someday and watch the whole um, the yeah. series Outlander, okay. which is a historical fiction. Yep. And loved that because yeah. it really gave a lot of insight into, mm-hmm. how can I say this? Mm-hmm. So... My, my family, they raised us in a certain way. Okay. And part of that was with the discipline that was Mm -hmm. the way they disciplined us, which I don't agree with and made a decision when my son was born that I was never going to hit him because Mm. I wanted to break the cycle. 
Right. Right. And by watching Outlander and all of the the beating that occurred, I was like, now it makes sense. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That that's because that's all they know. Right. That's all they know. And 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 now I broke the cycle with my son Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to stop that. Yes. Yes. But, but yeah. there, but and it, it and this, but the, and it's interesting because of the way that you know, like you say, it comes down in somewhere, and maybe it's because you're in a different environment than what they were all in, that you're you're able to break that cycle because it's it, it's different here than it is there. Right. My my question to you, Sandy, is when you hear the pipes and drums, does it? Do you like that? You know, in a pipe band. And you know, I mean, it's I don't know, I don't. Men in Celts doesn't really do much for me. <laughs> I was but, one of those, but yeah, uh, right, yes. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's um, it, it's definitely the, the whole uh, yeah. you know Stonehenge and all of that. That's that's where I want to go because that oh, yeah. that's it's it's very spiritual and and that's what I want to see. Yeah, and and actually, what I find is that uh, by going on this journey to India, it it helped me to realize the difference between a tourist and a traveler, because a tourist just wants to experience. They want to be taken somewhere. They want to be shown, and then they want to get back in, and we'll get back to the hotel. And there's nothing wrong with being a tourist. That's how some people really appreciate and enjoy travel. But for me, it was. I, I'm a traveler. I really want to embrace wherever I travel in the world. I want to experience the the really magnificence, but also the hardships. Like when I went to India, you know, yes, I saw some of the magnificent structures and what it stands for, but I had to see the poverty as well. Not from a voyeurism standpoint, but I needed to experience the poverty because you can't hide that. So I think that's a distinguishing piece as well as you know, you you can be a tourist and there's nothing wrong with it. But I, I think personally for me, I want to be a traveler. I want to learn. I want to experience. And it, it really means a lot to me that way. Mm, love it. So so what is your title at, at the university and what university do you work at? Yes. Yeah, so I teach at the Beatty School of Business at Simon Fraser University. So there's your Scottish heritage right there. You can always come and uh, know that we're a Scottish school. Um, and I teach uh, organizational behavior and an introduction to business. And the beautiful part about this is that uh, for, you know, as I mentioned, I really like working with the individual and, uh, you know, my class, because it's organizational behavior, what it does is it allows me to also work on their personal and professional development as opposed to just giving them theories and concepts. Um, I think sometimes what happens is, you know, there's what I call the myth theory and practice. So myth is what we believe the world to be. So they come in with these perspectives and perceptions. Theory is what I give them out of the textbook about these various theoretical aspects of organizational behavior. But for me, because I come from industry and I'm very practical this way, does the theory work? How does it work here? And this is where my storytelling comes in for my students is I, I use examples and stories of how industry works as a result and you know i find we i have a lot of fun teaching and as a result i think my students have a lot of fun in class too oh that sounds amazing and i bet you're i I bet you're probably one of those people that they'll never forget i'll never forget that class (laughs) (laughs) no and sandy i tell them you know instead of 
focusing so much on the theory, um, five years after you graduate, I hope that what you say is, oh, now I know what he meant by this because you've experienced it. So I've given them a little bit of an overview. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So so you have your book. Let's talk about your book yes. real quick. What is the title again? Lost and Found, Seeking the Past and Finding Myself. Love it. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. That sounds really... And, and so it goes into your your journey into India. But yeah. what is the... what is the If you were to summarize your book, like what mm-hmm. would that be? It's, it's about a... The way I would summarize it is the fact that taking a journey and trying to realize your own identity as well as your uh, ancestral identity and going with an open mind and equally at the same time overcoming obstacles you know not listening to the noise around you saying you know you're not going to find it and persistence because persistence I think is what really carried me forward in uh, in the search for this village but it was also being open to experiences, being open to, you know, the extraordinary in the ordinary. So all of these, you know, life experiences I was able to bring with me in a in a virtual backpack in my mind of what I wanted this trip to be, but also be open to it in the sense that, you know, if I didn't find my grandfather's house, not to be defeated by it, but to say, at least I tried. And I'm I'm in a place where my ancestors were maybe not the same you know house village or town but this sort of connected me to it but fortunately I was able to find my grandfather's house so the idea is it's just a it's a beautiful story that I think just needs to be shared that you know we all have multiple backgrounds if you're wanting to realize your background here's here's a journey that someone took I mean, and the other part is with COVID, we can't travel. The way that I wrote the book is it's literally like you're with me in the journey. And I wrote it with a lot of sensory aspects of, you know, India through the eyes of somebody who, you know, is a foreigner to this land and shouldn't be foreign to it. Wow. That's amazing. It sounds incredible. So, Sam, this has been such an amazing conversation and I love your story. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think what I'd like to just share with your audience, just two quick things. One is, you know, the fact that we're going through a lot at this time in life with the pandemic. And one one thing I've always shared with my class or workshops or when I'm working with organizations is uh, the need for us to care right now. And what CARE stands for to help us get through this pandemic is collaboration adaptability, resilience, and empathy. We need to work together to get where we need to go. Like we all have something to contribute to this. Adaptability is the fact that if you are open to adaptability and pivot and able to be agile, uh, great things can happen. And you're focusing on opportunities, not on the problem. Resilience is we're gonna get through this but you build resilience into your life to know that this is not over today, next week or next month. And empathy is care and compassion that we need to show each other because I think we lack care and compassion in the world. And this is combined how it's going to help us get through this. So collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Mm, and the last, that's beautiful. And the, la- 
Thank you. And the last thing I just want to leave is my signature tagline. Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. We are all living stories. We all have something to share and to contribute. So be sure that you are building this autobiography because it's your story. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Sam, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on my podcast. So thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Well, thank you, Sandy. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. All right. Take care. I just love talking with people who just provide my audience with so much information that they can apply to their life right away. I mean, it was just never ending in that conversation. Just absolutely loved it. I especially love his CARE acronym, which is Collaboration, Adaptability, Resilience, and Empathy. And I highly encourage all of you to really think about that acronym and apply it to your life and, and use it every single day. So Sam's website is sam-thiara.com. And I'll also make sure that is in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. To learn more about my book, you can go to sandyscarlotta.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Sandy Scarlotta. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.